Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey, what's up, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Serious Issues, the Whitley Climber podcast, hosted by your good friends, Andrew Levins and Siobhan Coombs. My name is Levins. My name is Siobhan Coombs. Um, as mentioned in the intro that I just did very, very goodly. Um, every week on Serious Issues, we review all of last week's comics that came out, um, and we got all those comics from where, Siobhan? Um, the bin outside... Your house. Of, no. of, of Hungry Jacks on George Street, Sydney. <laughs> um, no, we got them at the King's Comics, the best comic book store in the world. If you want to uh, read any of the comics we talk about on the show, you can find them all at King's Comics in Sydney, 310 Pitt Street, Sydney, or kingscomics.com. There's sales galore on at the moment. Warehouse finds. Yep. It's off Exclusives. the hook on that website. It's crazy. It's a crazy website. Um, and this is a crazy episode because uh, it is the end of a four-day long weekend mm-hmm. um, that, that we have in Australia. Uh, Good Friday, Easter Saturday, Easter Sunday, Easter Monday. Um, I'm full of chocolate. Yeah, me too. A lot, a lot of a lot of chocolate went down. I made a big point of not letting my kids eat chocolate, but I did not set the same rules for myself. Because <laughs> uh, one like should not live bowl. by example. I'm the the, the trunchbull. <laughs> yeah. From, from Matilda. Matilda? Oh, yeah. You know, she always eats chocolates. Am I thinking of that correctly? Anyway. Not a comic. Why would we know anything about that? <laughs> um, Siobhan shrugged, which is oh, yeah. <laughs> not, not helpful for everyone listening. Um, yeah, so we... Uh, it, it's hard on, uh, on long weekends trying to avoid mm. family so you can read comics. But luckily for us, it was a slightly smaller week. Um, coming up on this show, we're going to be reviewing the finale of Dark Knight's Metal, the latest from uh, the Dooms- Doomsday Clock series and the 50th issue of Saga. Um, before we do that, we're going to do First Things First, in which we review all of the number ones that came out last week. Uh, and we're going to kick things off with um, the latest from DC's Young Animal imprint. Um, and this is the return to the series and world of Mother Panic, uh, written by Jody Hauser. Uh, returning to this series, uh, she's now in, in its second year, um, and so they've renumbered it, and it's now called Mother Panic Gotham AD. It features a new art team of um, Ibrahim Mustafa uh, on art, and I think colours are by... Jordan, Jordan Boyd. Jordan Boyd? 
Oh, and, and Marissa Louise. There you go. So a new, a new creative team, but uh, definitely still fitting into the style of what this, um, you know, fairly kind of noir, like neo-noir tinged Gotham. Um, mm. Uh, with, but with like quite sketchy kind of dark inks. The, the neo noir is pretty much entirely just comes from Mother Panic's costume herself. It's a great mm-hmm. costume. It's such a good um, costume. It still looks so good. So this w- this was like the kind of like the most superhero like comic on, of the Young Animal imprint, um, especially mm-hmm. since it's set in Gotham and features Batman um, yep. and uh, features Mother Panic interacting with uh, with with kind of you know regular Gotham characters. Although it's been made clear that this is not the same Gotham that we are seeing in the um, regular DC Universe comics. Mm-hmm. Um, in like fact, in this one, Gotham? yeah, in this one we learn um, a bit more about why Gotham is the way it is. Um, in fact, there's this brilliant kind of uh, back matter um, in which we learn a little bit more about like the kind of main antagonist of this series um, and uh, her role in making. Gotham seemingly crime-free. And so there's this kind of like um, advertisement for, for the new Gotham City, which, um, you know, is, isn't a nightmare urban hellscape of crime and drugs and poverty. Um, instead of it's, a, you know, cl- crime sprees and serial killers are a thing of the past. And Gotham is now the ultimate destination for anyone looking for a safe, clean and living experience. But that means mm. that the majority of bad guys that um, are on Mother Panic's radar are like one percenters, um, and uh, we we kind of meet her, her her latest protagonist in this first issue. I really like this. Yeah, me it's too. Um, Continuation series. This was our favorite young animal book behind uh, Shade, the Changing Girl, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think uh, Jody Hauser as a writer really really uh, kind of you know explored what makes this character interesting pretty quickly in the in the first series and it continues that in this first issue um, and I like cool this I'm sorry I was say I like this future Gotham I like the like sad slightly demented but harmless Joker yeah totally and it looks like we're gonna get Catwoman in the next issue mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Mother Panic is also training like a young liege or Robin of, of her own if you will um, mm-hmm. who stabs someone in a supermarket <laughs> yep um, yeah, uh, there's, like there's a lot to love off. about this series. Yeah, yeah I like so. this a lot. Still, um, yeah, so Jody yeah. House is doing a really good job with this character. I like it a lot. And I, and I think Ibrahim Mustafa is a great choice of artist for this um, new arc. Mm, um, because th- that was the, yeah, that was the the kind of, as far as, I think there were three different artists over the course of the 12 issues that first run. So it'd be good to see it, it, a more, uh, you know, the, the same artist for the entire run on this time around. Mm. Um, let's move over to Valiant now, Siobhan, for Shadow Man at number one. Uh, okay. Shadow Man, a character that I've, I've definitely read in many books before. I don't know what Shadow Man's power set is or what number of Shadow Men he is. Like he's, yeah, is me it like a, It's like a phantom thing. Like you, you die and then, you, and you, then you, your son becomes Shadow Man. I'd probably not. Oh, what? No. <laughs> So also probably so. isn't it? I don't it's think probably less how Phantom like, worked. Weirdly, um, I feel like Phantom is like a little bit racist, but I haven't read it in a long time, so maybe it's not anyway. I've just seen the Billy Zane movie. Yeah, good fun. It's a good movie. Um, Shadow Man uh, has a new number one um, out through Valiant now, and uh, it is written by Andy Diggle with art by Stephen Segovia 
And uh, Siobhan, you want to say this name at the same time as me, our favorite colorist in the game. One, two, three. Ulysses (laughs) Ariola. Ulysses Ariola, the best name in comics. Um, Many times awarded best name in comics. Um, Yeah. So this is the name. Yes. (laughs) Um, This is a return. The the character of Shadow Man returning to Earth, I guess. Yeah. He's been in hell, and then he is not anymore for reasons that aren't fully explained. But his girlfriend's for, been holding it down. And she's for five years, yeah, she's been, like, practicing spells and mm-hmm. dis- discovering the dark arts, waiting for She's a mambo. Time. She's a ma- yeah, mambo. But she's not punk mambo. No. Who turns out might else. not actually be a mambo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this was confusing, but I feel like if I gave this more of a chance with the, with the ongoing issues, I'd probably get invested in the story. Yeah, totally. Um, but I, I don't think this is it was anywhere near as um, new reader friendly as recent Valiant number ones have been lately. Yeah, agreed. This one did have more like assumed knowledge, but I kind of liked it in spite of that, and in spite of not really knowing anything about it. So it was cool. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good. To kind of the, 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 this new. Uh, uh, witchcraft practicing mambo wife mm-hmm. sorry ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. um, estranged girlfriend uh, was it was a pretty compelling character um, and uh, it's going to be interesting seeing uh, <laughs> seeing uh, sorry <laughs> shouts to Nate <laughs> making snacks in the background of your house yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> is he going to is he going to start cooking a steak today are you planning to cook any steaks that was my favorite. We 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 won a we won a podcasting award for sound effects when he cooked yeah. a steak on an episode of Serious Issues in the past. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I thought I thought that I think this is Andy Diggle's first book for Valiant, so I would have really? thought it would have been more. Um, I could be very wrong. I I frequently am. You just said uh, that. But I, I, <laughs> um, I think uh, I, I thought it would have been a, a bit more kind of explaining. I I, I just I don't even know what. Uh, what Shadow Man's power set is? Can he can like he can yeah. talk to the dead or something? Is that and then it? he has a big scythe. So I guess it's yeah, like super power death powers. Like, I feel like it doesn't really matter what his powers are. Death. Stuff. Yeah, I know. I just, I just yeah, totally. <laughs> I just don't really. I don't know anything it about this character like, after reading his number one. Yeah, it wasn't like a really clean introduction to the character or anything like that. Yep. Um, I think this is yeah, this is Andy Diggle's first uh, first comic for Shadow, for Valiant. Oh, there you Man. go. There you go. That's Not nice. wrong this time, everybody. Although I still <laughs> probably am. Um, let's move over to Marvel right now for um, Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider number one, um, which is a one shot that ties into the Damnation event. It was written by Christopher Sabella and art by Phil Noto, um, and uh, I'm calligraphy. Glad this is just a one shot. Yeah, by uh, Travis Lanham. Um, I liked Phil Noto's art. Um, mm-hmm. I, I bet I bet he wished the the, the script he was given was better because not a I lot also happens. Feel like, <laughs> Phil Noto is not the person that I would choose to draw a comic that relies on like vehicles and speed. Yes, that's true. Yeah, he, he, he's like great at just drawing hand, handsome men talking. But, yes, <laughs> but but yeah, action <laughs> is not not quite Noto. his forte. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, Johnny Blaze at the end of the last issue of Damnation, the event which is like the Doctor Strange resurrecting Las Vegas and then opening a hell casino with Mephisto on Earth. Um, <laughs> uh, at the end of the last issue, J- J- Ghost Rider was sent to hell. Um, and this is him in hell, but he's separated from the demon. So it's Johnny Blaze as himself and then there's like the Ghost Rider demon. Both of them riding motorbikes through hell. And at the end of this, Johnny Blaze becomes the king of hell or something. <laughs> I, I found this really tough to get through. But it was worth the, the final panel where he has a little, little fiery ghost crown on. Like, yeah, that was okay, pretty cute. You win me. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, this is a kind of this is a case of like something that should be really really fun, but isn't. Yeah, that was super boring. So, uh, I guess a, a thumbs down for this one. I'm sorry, um, but yeah, th- I'm sorry, Johnny Blaze. Th- Thankfully, just a just a one shot that doesn't tie into uh, that. That isn't going to be I, I, as it was like going towards the end. I'm like, I was like dreading those three words to be continued showing up, but uh, luckily for us, they didn't. Instead, we get to be concluded, you know, to be continued in you know, continued in damnation. So this will, the events of this will happen in the next damnation issue, which we'll be reviewing here in a couple weeks time. Um, Image put Yay. out a new number one this week um, through uh, their Top Cow imprint. Don't worry, I don't think you read this. It's Cyberforce oh, issue number one. Um, last week when it. I was I'm talking sorry. about it coming back, I think I said it was a Rob Liefeld comic. I was wrong. It was a Mark Silvestri creation in the 90s. <gasps> um, but this is a, like a revamp of it written by Matt Hawkins and Brian Hill um, with art by Atilio Rojo, um, letters by Troy Pateri. Um, I quite yeah, enjoyed the... guys would the, be like postal and stuff, right? That's right, Yes. Um, and I really enjoyed the art on this. I thought it was great seeing them move away from like the typical super '90s character designs and, and action stuff. It was uh, actually like pretty good, solid art. But um, mm. story-wise, it's like uh, a, like a father gets injured and so and, and loses an arm. So his daughter, who is in a wheelchair, like basically like makes an arrangement with the government. For him to get like cybernetic arms, so essentially he has three <laughs> arms now, but one of them is a double arm. Cool. Um, what? Wait. What do you mean a double arm? Uh, yeah. It, at one point, he he just kind of says like this weird like mess of metal as as a, as a as an arm. Like maybe there are two arms in there. I don't know. But is there another <laughs> arm coming out of the arm, or is it like no, no? Two it's arms just one arm. But at one body. At one point, he says, "I have three arms," but he clearly has two. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the artist misread. I don't know. Maybe the third arm is his dick. Oh, that's a great name <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> um, but uh, and then the, the, the deal that it, that's kind of like uh, revealed at the end um, is uh, is that she has also given her body to the government, and now she has uh, cybernet- cybernetic legs too. So now the government <laughs> own both her father and herself. Cool. I don't know why I find that so hilarious. Yeah, I don't need to read another issue of this, but like you know, if 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 you were looking for a uh, you know a gritty top cow cybernetic action book, um, this wouldn't be that disappointing. But Hmm. that's really something that I'm looking for. (laughs) Um, 
I'm going to take it you didn't read uh, Adventure Time Bemo Bonanza, number one? No, I didn't. I didn't. Um, this is a, a new Adventure Time special out through Kaboom um, Comics, who do all the Adventure Time comics. And um, we have uh, basically like a little, almost like an annual style, um, big, thick, I think it's like 10 bucks too. No, seven ninety nine. That's good. Normally they make they charge ten for these, um, but uh, has uh, lots of indie artists doing cute little stories set in the Adventure Time world, featuring um, that cute little Game Boy dude Bimo, um, and uh, a lot of these were just kind of very twee, simple um, cartooning, you know, adventure bo- um, stories. And uh, the one I liked most was definitely that too. But I just want to shout out um, Boya Sun. Have you heard of that name before? No. Um, Boya Sun. Whoever they are wrote a really really gorgeous. Um, and uh, and cute kind of BMO adventure featuring Finn and Jake and um, Finn has a cold and constantly has like boogers running out of his nose and shit. <laughs> nice. Uh, that appealed to me. Really great watercolors. Um, that was easily my favorite artist on this. Uh, uh, pretty skippable uh, one shot. But if you are a big fan of the character, I'm sure you'll find more to love about it than I did. Cool. Um, I've got a black mask now for Breathless issue one. Yes. Which features a, a bloodied asthma puffer on the front, an inhaler. Oh, you had um, a different cover to me. I had a oh, wow. lady. A lady with a, a lady gun. That's way more excited. Look at this. I got, a, I got a, a bloodied puffer. I think that might be more iconic. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, why don't you tell everybody what this book is about, Siobhan? Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> so this is written by Pat Chan, with art by Renzo Rodriguez, colors by Mara Jane Carpenter, letters by Jim Campbell. Um, and this is about a lady who works in, like, a science place cutting up cryptids. A lab. A lab. Cutting up Where they monsters. cut up cryptids. And, uh, and then she, like, she has really bad asthma, and then she cuts one open or it, like, explodes on her, and then she breathes it in, and then her asthma's cured. Um, and I can also, imagine there will be no negative consequences to come that we haven't seen yet. Her lungs look like a butt. <laughs> they do. Sexy lungs. It, yeah. If you ever want to see some, some butt lungs, definitely pick up this comic. <laughs> um, I, I, I quite like this. I yeah, was, like, so basically, yeah, silly. after she, her asthma is cured, um, she, the, the company that she works for leaks that they have cured asthma. Um, yeah, because her parts. like idiot lab assistant is like, "Lol, I just cured asthma on Twitter." Yeah, but she and she only has twelve followers or something like that. So she's like, "What's the harm?" Um, but the uh, comic ends with an alien slicing and dicing everyone else in the lab except uh, the main character and her mm-hmm. goofy assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't need to read another issue of this. I'm gonna give it one more issue. Um, it was written by I Pat like Shan, did we say already? Oh, yeah, you already, you already gave a shout-out mm-hmm. to the creative team. Um, yeah, Black Mask, uh, you know, pretty up and down when it comes to making books that are either my thing or not my thing. I think this is definitely mm. in the... I, I think it's a, a good start for this creative team, but I, I, I'll might, if I see their names on stuff in the future, I'll look at that instead of uh, seeing where this book goes because I think this is a case of too much going on not in one story. Also yeah, yeah. yeah. They did pack um, a lot in. So much. To that first um, issue. This is, and that That's was a, all I read. an unfortunate. Oh, really? Wow. Okay, I have like Number five one. more. Uh, oh, Titan Comics. <laughs> Titan Comics Sorry. this week put out a new uh, European translation through their Statics Press imprint, um, oh, yeah. writ- written and drawn by someone called Elgo, 
um, and uh, tr- translated by Mark Bourbon Crook. This story is, is called Factory. Sorry, series is called Factory. Um, and uh, it's like a dystopian future. Um, and there is like a, um, a, a Lord, a Lord Guko, who uh, creates um, like, um, like precogs. So like these weird beings that I guess can see into the future. Um, like Minority Report? Pre- yeah. Um, and kind of, yeah, I guess, you know, like help him rule as Lord. Um, and uh, he, he creates these disgusting creatures. This is a very, very disgusting looking book, by the way. You could, on any page you see like just like disgusting things ripping other disgusting looking things apart. Is it at least um, pretty? No, no, it's gross. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's very good art, but it's gross right. art. Um, and uh, so, yeah, he makes these like precogs. And all the while, the precogs basically let him know that there is like a pig that's coming to kill him. And um, so we see like this pig adventurer who is like teaming up with a talking monkey um, to walk through this like barren wasteland. It's a really crazy, extremely European, weird book um, featuring lots of like big, gross things being eaten by monsters. Mm. Uh, Not necessarily my thing. Yeah, Believe sounds not. not that cool. Um, I would, I don't know if that, if that sounds moderately interesting to you. I would give it, at least give a flick through. I think Static Press, the track record of choosing books to be translated is pretty decent. So mm. um, even though this is not for me, it probably is a pretty cool story. And maybe if it was in its original, where do you reckon Elgo is from? We'll never Finland. know. Finland. No. Okay, cool. Denmark. No, no. Okay. All right. Denmark. Shouts to Elgo and Denmark. Uh, I read an IDW book this week, Goosebumps, Download oh. and Die. <laughs> I can't believe you uh, read that. <laughs> oh, man. There, there, I, I, I said that to myself quite a few times this week. Um, <laughs> written by Jen Vaughan with art by Michelle Wong and colors by Triona Tree Farrell. Um, this is a book about three girls at school um, who uh, love working in the computer lab but there are some bullies that hog the computer lab all the time and they break one of the girls' phones. Um, oh, no. So then a mysterious evil phone with a skull in it shows up at her house and she starts using it. And whenever she, like, puts, like, emojis of, like, people throwing up on, on pictures of the people she doesn't like, then they get sick. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, things happen because of the phone. And like that uh, weird ventriloquist, that that weird ventriloquist character, like doll that was like in one of the stories of the Goosebumps books that we read growing up. Yeah, you know, like that he's like yeah, yeah, he's, he's called like, like Slappy or something. Yeah, and he's a character in this, and uh, she has cool. a she he, he, she has a dream that he's in, and uh, she's like falling down a river, and he goes, <laughs> he shows up, and he's like falling in love, huh? Maybe you'll survive if you give me the phone. So I don't. <laughs> what? And then, and then they wake up from the dream, and and one of the girl's hair's been chopped, like like a few locks, like not much hair, like a, it's, uh, it's barely alarming. Um, yeah. And someone has has left a uh, a note that says, "I want the phone." <laughs> so what? I don't know. I don't know why on? it's called download or die. It's yeah, about a phone. Is anything downloaded at any point? <laughs> um, no, not not many downloads happen. Is it written um, by R.L. Stein? 
No, no, no. It's written by um, oh, sorry. Uh, right. Jen Vaughan. Right. Well. Look, this, is, this is IDW's second Goosebumps miniseries, and I think I read the first issue of the last one too, and it was about as silly as this is. Maybe right. if I was like 11 and like afraid of phones, <laughs> this would be appealing. <laughs> I mean, I'm afraid of phones, but for entirely different reasons. Name, name one reason why you're afraid of phones. Um, because of data theft. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll happen in issue two. Everyone's yeah. data gets thieved <laughs> by a ventriloquist doll. Um, I read a a comic this week called Bruce Lee: The Walk of the Dragon. Issue yeah, you one. know what? I looked at that and I went, "Nah, I'm not reading that." This came out through Darby Pop Publishing. And would you believe mm. it? This is the first ever comic I've read published by Darby Pop Publishing. Um, yeah, I've never heard of them before. The best thing about this book is that it is the second um, of this Bruce Lee comic. Um, and I thought this was going to be like a stock standard Bruce Lee like martial arts comic. But no, mm-hmm. uh, the recap page, just the opening four words, Bruce Lee never died and he hasn't aged. Mm. But he has no idea who he is, what's happened in the world in the past 40 plus years, or why so many thugs want a piece of him. With the help of a fly BFF from the 70s and a pair of precocious teens, Bruce has bested both an enigmatic villain and his very own conscience. What? (laughs) So this is like, what if Bruce Lee was Austin Powers? Yeah. And and this, um, he like stops a, a mugging from happening. And then is in like a cosplay fight between someone dressed as Chuck mm. Norris and himself. Yeah. I feel very, very depressed by this. This feels very disrespectful to the legacy of Bruce Lee. Um, but it was created by someone. Man. Rest in peace. It, it was called. It was created. This series was created by Shannon Lee, and I'm googling right mm. now to see if Shannon Lee is. Yep, she's the daughter of Bruce Lee. <laughs> Good Lord. Well. Uh, so hopefully, when we pass on, our children will write a comic <laughs> about us we never fight dying. each other. Perfect. So look forward to that <laughs> 60 years from now. Um, the last number one I'm going to mention is called Battle Cats. I'm going to show you this cool cover, Siobhan. <laughs> and I was lucky enough cats. to get... To get two issues of Battle Cats this week. I don't know why, but both one and two <laughs> shipped this week. It's written by Mark London, um, art by Andy King, um, and colors by Alejandro Giraldo. Um, and this is a high fantasy book in which all of the fantasy archetypes are played by sexy cats. <laughs> sexy, <laughs> standing upright. Ca- yeah, I know this, you, would have, you would have loved this, I think. Because um, it had everything I hate about fantasy with my least favorite animal. <laughs> And they have boobs. They have boobs and pecs and glutes oh, <laughs> and axes. It's like a r- phenomenally gory fantasy comic <laughs> with cats. Like at one point there is a cat with big red glowing eyes standing atop of skulls, like a big mountain of skulls. Nice. So if, if that's something that's missing from your life, baby, Battle Cats is for you. <laughs> came out through a publisher called Mad Cave. How do you think they came to the conclusion that they should name their company Mad Cave. They're like, all right, we like caves. And we're all pretty crazy. Well, what do you reckon they were just like, um, like... I bet you they're a gaming a, company it, or something. Or they were, like a what if they were like in, in, a, in, a, in a mad cave. 
Like they were just, you know, they said, this cave, this is a mad cave. <laughs> Let's name our <laughs> comics publishing mad. company after it. Yeah. So that's the end of this issue of edition of First Things First. Um, in case you could tell from our fairly tired voices, it was a rough, a rough week of First Things First. Yeah, goodness. Let's I'm see so sorry if the week improved. <laughs> I never, I never am. <laughs> you should stop doing it. <laughs> I'm never, I'm never sorry enough because I keep doing it again and again. <laughs> um, now, usually we would play um, this next game with a beautiful four-sided, three-sided die that is at the King's Comics office. But uh, we are recording this from the comfort of our own homes over Skype. Uh, so I've got the trusty six-sided die here. And we're going to play a game called Roll the Dice to see if we review Image, Marvel, or DC next. And uh, one to two is Image. Three to four is Marvel. Five to six is DC. Uh, and so six first, so DC. And then three, so Marvel. So DC, Marvel, then Image. And we're going to kick off with uh, a review of Dark Knight's Metal, issue number six. What's that, Siobhan? Did, your, did you just get... Really, really awake and perky all of a sudden, talking about mm. your favorite comic series ever published. This is written by Scott what? Snyder what? with art by Greg Capullo um, and uh, inks and colors by Johnny Dinglapion and FCO Placentia. I would, I would really struggle to try and explain what happened in this comic to anyone. I'll tell you. Too cool. much. Too yeah. damn much happened. Um, and, yeah, and they had like, a tuxedo party at the end. Yes, they did. Um, and they did that funny thing that I thought only Bendis events did where they just spend the next, like where, where like, they, a, a, like, you know, a massive part of the book is just um, all the characters seeing the future and it's just mm. like screenshots of upcoming DC titles. Mm-hmm. That's a bullshit mm-hmm. Marvel trick that I, that I hated when they did and I don't hate it any less when it's done here. Yeah, thanks a lot, DC. There's a, cool, there's a fun way to tease things and I don't think that's a fun way to tease things. No, nothing like, about this was fun. I think that, anyway. I think it tried so hard to be t- to be fun, but I think it yeah. yeah it wasn't it wasn't our kind of fun. Um, no, there are. It should have been on paper. There are so this, many. This is something yeah. that should appeal to me. There are so many massive things that happen in this issue, but because it's just one big ridiculous thing happening after the other. It ju- there's no weight to any of them happening, and it's just there's there's a randomness to this. Yeah. Like it, this, it feels like it was like a, a challenge where like like uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo like stayed up one night, like just fucking smashing energy drinks and writing and mm-hmm. drawing a comic page by page. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Plastic Man finally emerges from his egg, it's so weird. <laughs> But like, there's no real explanation that he, he was he was in, in an egg because he was worried about his form. So he was just in an egg that he made people carry around him in. Him in? I don't know. And then so when he finally does emerge, he becomes like this weird like octopus dinosaur hand. But then he still has like all his fingers pretending to be like power tools. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I have so little like energy to talk about this. It's exhausting. The whole thing from start to finish is like, oh, God. And then, like, they're all fighting a big hawk monster. And then they're wearing special armor. And then Batman and the Joker team up. And then blah, Which blah, is blah, just, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah. In order to take down the, the, the merge of, like, the evil Batman and the evil Joker, who are, like, kind of, like, the same being, the kind of the main evil Batman in this story, Batman, Batman teams up with... Laughs. Yeah, um, Batman teams up with the Joker, um, and uh, because 
that's the only thing that this bat, that the Batman who laughs wouldn't be able to predict. But that just betrays everything about Batman. And I don't think, like, if if, if it was if it was an event that led up to this being the only big thing that happens as like the, in the final fight. But it's like it takes place over like one page, and then you turn the page again, and some other insanely crazy bullshit thing is happening, which in mm. itself sounds fun and appealing. But it, for me, I, I agree with you; it was pretty exhausting. Yeah. Um, and then they have a weird tuxedo party, which Alfred guessed all of their sizes and tailored them suits. I would like love an issue of Alfred just sitting alone in the Batcave <laughs> making suits. And being like, what size do you think Hal Jordan is? Hmm. Yeah. Man, they should remake Phantom Thread and talk the main character, Woodcock or whatever his name is, is Alfred, and then all the other characters are like DC characters. Do you reckon P.T. Anderson would be, would be down for that? Is? Cool. Oh, you'd love it. It's about a dressmaker yeah. in London mm-hmm. in like the, cool. uh, at, the, at the turn of the, of the 19th century. Um, the finale of this has... Um, Alfred playing drums for a band featuring John and Damien playing bass and guitar. <laughs> yeah, like everything about this exhausts me. Everything about but, this. But I should like that, and I don't, and I don't know why. This, this comic makes me feel weird. It makes um, me feel terrible. It makes me feel sad and annoyed. Really? That bad? This issue, yes. It's, it's a bummer knowing... Wonder Woman's ugly dress. Yeah, oh yeah, that was especially weird. Especially because for the most part, like the art in that final scene was pretty good because it's Mikhail Janin. And, yeah. Um, who else? Is like there's the a art few, is yeah. good, but the aesthetics are terrible. Um, the f- the finale, the coda is uh, Mike Michael Janin, Alvaro Martinez, and Raúl Fernandez. So it's kind of like some of the best uh, um, Batman and Detective Comics artists um, coming together for that finale. Uh. Snyder is clearly proud of this. It's like a, his like swan song to his work with Capullo, which he started uh, when the DC New Fifty Two launched. Mm. Um, it's just a bummer that we didn't enjoy it as much as he did writing it. But I'm sure he has plenty of fans that did. Yeah. Um, but you know, if, if you are a, a listener of this podcast, you'll know that that's not quite our cup of tea. Not that is a that's a really bad Wonder Woman dress. That sucks. She, really she looks. Ugly. She looks. Especially, like, I, 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 I normally champion when someone draws Wonder Woman quite masculine, but she literally looks like Bruce Wayne put a dress on mm. in that and final it's page. Like, the worst thing is it's an ugly dress. And it just looks like a costume. Everyone else is wearing, like, suits. Why isn't she in a tuxedo? Yeah. She and Hawkeye are the only people not in tuxedos. That's really true. Maybe <laughs> it's all Alfred's fault. But I reckon Alfred What's would be secretly great at making, making dresses. Yeah, I think he would have impeccable taste. Well, boo. (laughs) Uh, So that is the end of Dark Knight's Metal. Um, But it's only the fourth issue of Doomsday Clock, which is another enormous big uh, DC event happening right now, uh, which is the kind of merging of the Watchmen universe with the DC universe, uh, written by Jeff Johns with art by um, uh, fucking... Good old, what's his face? <laughs> um, um, Gary Frank. Gary Frank Gary and Frank. colors by Brad Anderson. Good, good old, what's his face? Um, and uh, I've been pretty cold on this series. Um, I think it's mm-hmm. been drawn incredibly well, um, but I just kind of didn't really see the point to it. But that said, I really enjoyed this issue. 
Yeah, I enjoyed this issue until Ozymandias showed up, and I was like, ah. I wish that this was just... I wish that this was even about, like, other characters in the Watchmen universe. I feel like I would be enjoying it more, because of the bits that I liked, are like, um... The, all the stuff about this new Rorschach and stuff that was that was cool. He was like a peripheral character, but like he wasn't just Ozymandias. Now, totally, no, it sort I, of annoys I totally me. I got that. annoyed when I got brought back to the plot. <laughs> yeah, but that said, this event wouldn't exist if it was like, oh, this is just like background characters from the initial Watchmen scene, series <laughs> making their way to the DC universe. Like, <laughs> it's the guy from the taxi. Remember, he's in the DC universe now. <laughs> It's remember the guy the from the photo. Vendor? Yeah, remember the guy from the, the guy in the in the photo of the Minutemen with the, with the wings on his back. He's in the DC universe now. <laughs> um, that was a really really clever choice though, using Mothman as a as a Absolutely. character from from the Watchmen universe that like quite helped shape this 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 uh, character who's now becoming you know, the the character that was inspired to become the new Rorschach, mm. um, and having him tra- um, almost trained by someone who who uh, was a part of Rorschach's world before um, Dr. Manhattan and Ozymandias fucked it all up um, was, a, was, a, was a quite a clever bit of storytelling. Um, I also really, for the first time ever in this series, I really enjoyed the, um, the use of having Batman and, like, you know, DC characters be a part of it because they were... Um, in this, we see Batman um, basically put on a, a costume, which is my mm-hmm. favourite thing about Batman, like the ba- Batman the Master of Disguise. What's his... Um, He's like criminal. Um, Isn't it Matches Malone? Matches Malone, so great. But in this Sorry. one, he, he he disguised himself as a as a criminal psychologist and um and interviews um this new Rorschach while he's imprisoned. Um, and I liked that. He's like you know he's 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 almost like the watcher in this, just kind of observing things as they happen instead of meddling and letting them happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Look, Gary Frank's artwork is amazing, and I, I think you know if this if this is going to be like you know we're going to get three or four issues of this a year, so be it. It's worth it just to see Gary Frank not joined by a bunch of fill-in artists to help him meet a deadline. Yeah, yeah, I would rather get this slowly and drawn nicely than quickly and terribly. But I would rather see Gary Frank doing like pretty much anything else. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely, I, I have to say, I, I, I really enjoyed this issue. And um, it yes. was the first one of this run so far that I was like, oh, maybe maybe I will like this. Maybe this should exist. Yeah, totally. So, he draws a hell of a Mothman. That's right. Very true. Um, and, and it was mostly careful kind of study of, uh, you know, comic book mental mental hospital um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stuff. You know, it's, Arkham it's, it's very, stuff. Arkham stuff. Yeah, I, I thought it was, it was, it was, it was a well done issue. Um, yeah, and the, and the flashbacks to the, the asylum that he was in before coming over. Yeah, um, so uh, yeah, I, I would recommend this one. Doomsday Clock number four gets the thumbs up for me, not just because of the delicious um, pancakes on the front cover. Um, it does make me want pancakes. There were like two... How, wait, when, when is Pancake Tuesday? They were a month. They were a it's month too late for Pancake been. Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. But imagine if they lined it up. If, uh, if DC had a pancake week for Pancake Tuesday. Always pushing your Catholic agenda on this podcast. Just to I'm get just your pushing son into a a my pancake agenda. Yeah. <laughs> Always. For it's one literally week the now. only Catholic thing I do. I'm like, it's Pancake Tuesday. Pancakes. Yeah. I think I just like pancakes. They, well, like they should pancakes. just make Pancake Week in like October. Why? <laughs> Why I don't know. is that better? I just want to see all of my favorite DC heroes 
immortalized in a series of, of pancake variants. Yes. <laughs> There's like a guy on, um, on Instagram who has like a pancake shop and he just does like every character as a pancake. What do you mean? Why? Come on, doesn't that interest you? Like what, like squid, Squidward from some SpongeBob would look like as a pancake? <laughs> is it shaped you, like him, you, or is he just drawn on the pancake? Well, he's like one of those extremely gifted pancake artists who, <laughs> <laughs> who like expertly knows how to like swirl around the different coloured um, yeah, batter, right. and then makes like a proper face. That's do you even cool. eat that, or do you lacquer it and take it home? Yeah, I'd want to keep it if, forever. If someone made your face as a pancake, would you eat it? Yes. It's the you only way I eat pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> I'm glad we settled that. Yeah. Um, the Terrifics. <laughs> the Terrifics is a series uh, that, that apparently spun out of Dark Knight's Metal. Um, and uh, when the first issue came out, I was like, have they just spoiled the end of Dark Knight's Metal? They hadn't. There is the tiny thread of... There is no end to Dark Knight's Metal. Yeah, what it, it lives on forever. They had a party. Um, yeah, they, they wore suits. Um, so the Terrifics, um, yeah, the, the, the Terrifics sp- spun out because um, some of the suits they wore were terrific. And uh, <laughs> that, that's the only connection. Um, so the Terrifics is a series um, through DC right now. Um, it's written by Jeff Lemire with art by um, Ivan Reyes. Um, and it is all about the team-up of uh, Mr. Terrific, Plastic Man, Metamorpho, and Phantom Girl. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, everyone, when, when it was, uh, announced, everyone was like, oh, this is clearly like a, an homage to Fantastic Four. Maybe this is Jeff Lemire telling a Fantastic Four story that he wasn't allowed to tell when he was at, um, when he was at Marvel. Um, and, uh, after reading like the second issue of this, I think this is really boring. <laughs> yeah. So far, so far, this is boring, which, and um, I, I just, Makes me sad. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, it's so basically they're like, the four of them are like in space where they discover phantom girls, so the three of them. Um, and they also discover like this like almost massive Galactus figure um, mm-hmm. who is uh, dead when they find him seemingly and then they end up having to um, escape from him because he wakes up. And then they return to Earth and then they realize that they, they can't, leave each other they're, they're kind of bonded together and phantom um, girl can't like unphase she has to stay phased or she like starts exploding things yeah, she has to stay intangible uh, so it, it, it still has the like you know the possibility of it being a good it has potential it has the potential to yeah. be a good comic but it just feels like just like long setup that long unexciting setup at this point and like and, uh, sort of unnecessary, I feel. But I'm I'm going to keep reading, not just because I like Jeff Lemire, but because I like Ivan Reyes. Also, I like the characters. Um, yeah, it's an, it's another case of I should like this, but I don't. Yes, I'm willing um, to give it sum- another couple of issues. That sums up a lot of books that I read this week. Yeah, I'm um, this week. But the next book I'm going to talk about is a case of I shouldn't like this, but I do. Nice. Oh, can you guess which exactly one it is? What you're talking about. Um, this is another one that span out of the New Age of Heroes uh, DC lineup, um, and it is written by um, Dan Abnett with art by John Romita Jr. Um, it it's is pretty the Silencer, cover. the Silencer um, issue number. Yeah, it's, it's the most John Romita Jr. cover I've seen since every other cover he did for Mark Miller. 
Um, <laughs> There's some hectic sausage fingers that that man has. <laughs> um, delicious looking sausage fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so this, this, the Silencer is uh, the name of a, um, a character who is, is new in the DC universe. She, however, has existed um, long enough to be old friends with Talia Al Ghul in the League of Assassins. Um, her power is that she can create like cones of silence, but she's given up that life, that life of danger, because uh, she now has a family and she wants to be a wife and mother. And, um, hmm. and it's impossible to be both. Um, it is impossible. But, like, even though, like, you know, this is hardly groundbreaking in any way, it's just a really, really solid, fun, page-turner action comic. It sure um, is. That I think is, like, John Romita Jr.'s, like, best art in so long. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's clearly him. If you're not a fan of him, you won't like this. But I think if you are someone that, you know, have has been a fan but has seen, like, you know, some sloppier stuff that he's done or, you know... Maybe you, you sometimes like him, sometimes don't. I, I, I would uh, take a guess that you would enjoy the art on this because I certainly do. Yeah, um, this is surprisingly. This is surprisingly fun. It's like the last issue I thought was so fun with the ties to Talia or Al Ghul and like the kind of you know anything that explores like old DC friendships and stuff like that. I think is really fun. But then it just has fun with this idea of like a society of of, of professional criminals mm-hmm. and the the rules that they have in place and the technology they have in place. Um, I just I have so I'm just such a fan of this book it's so bizarre I wasn't expecting to like it at all fun character she's a super fun character her power set's really really cool and uh, it looks like even the the costume which is like quite goofy I think they pull off yeah totally and then the next issue it looks like Deathstroke is coming after her and Jeremy Jr. draws a very hilarious sassy dickless Deathstroke (laughs) dickless dickless Deathstroke Deathstroke's back, everybody, but his dick has gone somewhere else. <laughs> Looking forward to the spin-off series, which fills in the gaps of what De- Deathstroke's dick was doing while he was taking over, taking on the silencer. Me too. Oh, would, would you want that, uh, a comic to be called Deathstroke's dick or just Dickstroke? Dick or Death Dick. <laughs> Aw, you couldn't call it. Yeah, Death Dick. <laughs> Death Dick's <laughs> oh, uh, um, But yeah, silencer, like... like like surprisingly really solid i'm just like yeah surprised by how much i like it same um and i watched this one be the first one they cancel <laughs> yeah totally um although no i i i reckon this is going to be one that survives i think she's a cool character might be on. Hopefully they're on she design. is actually a cool character i think that she could like easily fit into the dc universe in a really nice way it's kind of checkmatey i think that's maybe why i like it yeah, definitely. Especially if she like you know this series ends with her making a deal with the government, and then that she's someone that heroes can hire. Mm. Um, I think could, that could be really fun. Yeah. Um, cool. uh, Batman Detective Comics issue number nine hundred and seventy-seven came out this week, um, written by James Tinian the Fourth, with art by uh, a bunch of people that I will get to when I find their names. Eventually, written somewhere in this book, nice. I might start like getting a post-it note. And, and, and writing the names and then putting it on the front. I'll never do that. Um, Javier yeah. Fernandez, Eddie Barrows, and Eva Ferreira on this one with colors by John Calise and Adriano Lucas. Um, and this sees uh, Tim Drake um, being given uh, footage from his future um, in which uh, we recently saw the evil Tim Drake return from. Um, and basically this... Uh, this kind of crafty little shit 
who was um, working with Batwoman's uh, militant father, um, has, has taken Tim Drake uh, into his little high. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. out ...and shown him all of this footage that he stole from the future. So Tim can mm-hmm, essentially, mm-hmm. Uh, he even references the um, the book from uh, Back to the Future that Biff gets with all the sports the results, the, the almanac, the almanac. yeah, mm-hmm. um, and says, like, you know, this is your way to, to, to save the future from happening. Um, and uh, I thought that was a really, really clever way to corrupt Tim Drake. Yeah, totally. I, I like that shitty little character, Ulysses. That little shit. Whatever. Mm. Ulysses, a.k.a. the little shit. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we see um, uh, Batwing and um, the guy whose name starts with A. Azrael. Oh, Azrael and Batwoman um, basically working with her father. And uh, they're going to start touring the world, bringing justice. I like their team dynamic. I would quite like a book of just those guys. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's what Detective Comics becomes. It's just those three guys. Cool. I'm into it. Um, because it looks like the the regular Bat crew is kind of deteriorated mm. to the point of no return, which is almost how every Bat team book ends. It's true. Um, and then we're getting like a Brother Eye. Oh, right, because Ulysses is controlling Brother Eye. Cool. Yep. Because I just read it on my project. I was like, ooh. Yep. Um, we actually put out a bonus episode um, this week mm. uh, on our Patreon, which is you, you can find at patreon.com slash podcast, uh, in which Siobhan and I review a bunch of graphic novels and a bunch of uh, long runs that we've recently completed, um, including a bunch of uh, Greg Rucker DC comics from uh, the, the best era of DC comics, which is the mid-2000s mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. That's our favorite era. Yes. Um, and uh, in- those include the OMAC Project and uh, Checkmate. Uh, so head to uh, patreon.com slash series podcast if you want to support the show and get access to, I think it's like 12 bonus episodes, 10 bonus mm-hmm. episodes. It's quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, go in there. You deserve it, dear listener. Treat yourself. And we deserve your money. Yes. So kill two birds with one stone and everyone <laughs> will be happy. Uh, final DC book that I read this week was The Demon Hell is Earth, issue five of six, written by Andrew Constant with art by Brad Walker. 
and um, sorry, pencils by Brad Walker, inks by Andrew Hennessy, and colors by Chris Sotomayor. Um, this is a kind of like road trip through hell where Etrigan the demon is separated from his host, Jason Blood, um, teams up with Merlin and Madame Xanadu to take on his demon father. Belial. Um, and it is a extremely like fun and quippy kind of like high fan, high dark fantasy hell mm. book, mm-hmm. um, which if you're in the mood for is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. I enjoy this. I think Andrew Constant um, does a good job of making Etrigan not irritating, which is impressive. Yeah, totally. Especially because this is the this is the issue that had the most rhyming in it. Um, yeah, the least plot, the rhymes. least plot, and the mo- and the most rhyming. <laughs> but the rhymes were great, and it looked you know he, he he spent this building up towards the the, the final issue, which is going to be a big showdown between uh, all the characters and Etrigan's father, um, who is an enormous, massive demon. Um, so drawn, good. drawn very well by Brad Walker. Some great art in this book. Good choice. Yeah, I like the series a lot. Good, yeah. silly. So we'll do, we'll do an extensive look back at this when the series is finished in one more issue's time. Let's move over to Marvel. Wait, hang on. I did. I read two more DC books. You're kidding me. What did you read? I read um, issue three of Mystic U, which I can't believe it's only been three issues. I feel like I've been reading this for one million years and not enjoying <laughs> it for one million years. Um. This oh, is like I the don't even magic really school. understand what happened in this. Oh, like a, you know like what? It's not that bad. The art's great. Sorry. Who's it, who's it written by and drawn by? Oh, yeah, cool. Any information. Um, <laughs> it is written by Elisa Quitney with art by Mike Norton and colors by Geordie Blair, which is why it looks great. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of... This was a lot about like the teaching. Actually, you know what? I did enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> convinced myself that I didn't like it but as I am rereading it it's pretty fun it's like teen Zatanna goes to college is the vibe mm. and it's magic college I, magic college um, it's very like Buffy vibes so there's right. a bit of a like freak of the week kind of thing and there's been so like there's so many of those like genre of shows now that we're all used to them like building up their little sort of gang of magical bros and so it kind of is a little bit annoying, but it's also like a magical college where like Madame Xanadu is a teacher and um, a whole bunch of like DC magic bros are in it. So it's, it's pretty good fun. Yeah. Um, nah, what? Good. What? Where? Where are we left with the end of this issue? Um, what happened? It, they're really long issues too, and I don't think they have ads in them. Because it's sort of like that's why it feels weird... like you've been reading it for three million years. Yeah. Um, Are they prestige format too? Not quite. No. Oh. I don't, this I, opportunity to be the best format of comics. I did a classic me thing and I didn't finish the issue, so I don't know what happens in the end. No, you can, we can review it next week too. Great. Oh. Um, I also read a Vertigo book. I read Motherlands. Oh fuck! I, I put this on my list, but three. I forgot to read it. Mm. That was fun. Um, I, I like that series. Yeah, it's cool. Written by Cy Spurrier with art. By someone Stott. Here we go. Artist Rachel Stott. Colors by Philippe Sobrero. Letters by Simon Boland. So this is like the future bounty hunter mother and daughter road trip to kill their uh, brother slash son. And it's good fun. It's like really lurid, over the top crazy 
space shenanigans, all very hilariously, like, sexual. There's a bit where there's, like, a weird pleasure, like, octopus room mm-hmm. that the mum, like, buys her daughter a session in to be like, you haven't gotten laid in ages, go in the <laughs> suction room. And then she tricks some aliens from going in there and kills them with a big sort of fleshy dildo. It's a pretty hectic look. Yeah, some of the fight scenes don't quite read well for me. Um, I would like to see but more the suction detail. Scenes? The yeah. suction scenes work well for you? Yeah, they just skip through all the best bits. What's the point? If you were um, given the option of, of eating a pancake that made of yourself or, or going into a suck room, what would you go choose? God, these are such terrible options. Um... <laughs> Anyway, at the end of this, they may or may not have killed the son slash brother, but you got to assume oh, right. it's not him. Anyway, good fun. fun. Awesome. Sorry, I ruined the ending. Yeah, whatever. We do that every week. Um, Marvel right now. Um, we're going to move over to Marvel. Um, I've got a cool. stack of Marvel books. I'm going to kick off with the 600th issue of Daredevil, written by oh, Charles Soule. Yeah. Uh, Charles Soule, Ron Garney, Matt Miller, and Clayton Cowles on the main story. And then there's a backup by Christos Gage. And uh, some other artists. Um, the backup is a really boring Foggy Nelson backup, which is just like nice. him recalling his life <laughs> and how unimportant he is. <laughs> cool. um, and uh, but the big kind of like it's a big extra sized uh, six dollar issue of Daredevil. Um, in it's the finale of the Mayor Fisk uh, plotline. Um, one of sorry, not quite. It's still going to continue. But um, basically, this says. Um, Daredevil, Iron Fist, Misty Knight, Spider-Man, Echo, Moon Knight, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones team up to take down Mayor Fisk once and for all. But he leads them all into a trap, and all of those heroes except Daredevil get arrested. (laughs) Um, And then um, uh, Daredevil goes to take Fisk on face-to-face, and then realizes that Fisk is just going to injure himself with a hammer, and pretend that Daredevil was the one who did it so he can come at Daredevil with the full strength of the law. Um, it seems like a really weak move from Fisk. Yeah, but then, even weaker, Fisk gets, like, attacked and collapses. Well, he, gets, he collapses after being hit by multiple arrows fired by the hand who just show up out of nowhere. <laughs> um, and then, because Fisk is down, um, his deputy mayor is now the mayor. And guess who that is? Bullseye. Matt Murdock. Oh. Matt Murdock. So now Daredevil is the mayor of New York City. That sounds like it should have been the most insane, fun read. It was such a chore. And I don't yeah, know why. really boring and annoying. Like, Charles Soule just doesn't have fun with this character. It's just, it's Daredevil played as the most dull, serious, law-abiding character in the, in the Marvel Universe. Um, and, and now he's the mayor. Well, finally, um, some shit's going to get done around here. So, yeah, I, I, like, I read through this going like, yep, this is definitely going to be the last Daredevil issue I run from, read from Charles Soule's run. Um, but that, you know, that final page of Matt Murdock is the mayor of New York City. I'm like, oh, got to see how this pans out. So I'm going to continue reading. I hope it's just like a whole issue about like potholes and graffiti. <laughs> just potholes. And, yeah, just potholes. Well, actually, every what issue of this has, has been about graffiti. So that wouldn't be Not anything really. new. Yeah. Um, but because that was so dry, um, I then, the next book I read from my Marvel stack was a comic that I have kind of been overly critical of. And you're, you're a big fan of, it, of this run. And after reading like this very 
serious, somber daredevil and moving straight to Moon Knight 193. Mm. I saw this book for the excellent uh, series that it is and how much just like a great example of a writer having fun with the history of this character and then just making making up his own insane rules for the character as well and just, just one-upping every issue with insanity. Um, Moon Knight is, of course, what I'm talking about, written by Max Bemis with art by... Um, Jason, Jason Burrows, Burrows, inks by Guillermo Ortego, and uh, colors by Matt Lopez. Um, like, where do we even begin with what the fuck is happening in this story? Um, of course, it's a Moon Knight book, so it's exploring the inner workings of the character of Moon Knight, his mm-hmm. many voices and, and multiple personalities that make up his mind. And uh, this has a great thing of like almost being like a whenever we go inside his head, it's all of the different characters that make up his head on a stage, pretty much mm-hmm. talking, talking to each other. And there's a great realization that like, while, um, what's uh, moon Knight's alias, um, like the main alias, Mark, Mark Spector. Spectre. While Mark Spector, like calls on everyone from Konshu to like the, the like director to the taxi cab driver, all these guys that live in his head. That, like you know, he calls on them to kind of access their talents and skills and power sets, um, but they realize that he has powers too, and that power is the power of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and we have this brilliant, like, series of panels of him just beating the shit out of his uh, the protagonist from this arc, and he's missing a tooth, and he's half on fire yeah. and singed and fucked up, and it's just just glorious, insane comic book storytelling. And, like, so, so gorgeous. Like, Jason Burroughs nails it. And the fight scenes, you follow, like, every single punch. Like, you are so aware of exactly what is happening. And it looks crazy and gorgeous. It's so... And he's good at drawing kids as well. Yes, he is good at drawing kids. He absolutely is. Kids that look like kids. Marvel need to lock Jason Burroughs down. Yeah. Yes. Um, Get in a relationship with him. Put a ring on it. Put a ring on it, Marvel. Um, Are you still enjoying this run as much as you have been? Yeah, I really am. I think it's great. I think it's really, Um, really silly. Really good fun. As long as Jason Burroughs sticks with it. Well, he's not. Because next uh, next month is Ty Templeton, who is great too. I like Ty Templeton though. Very very different. And then the the covers are now by Becky Clinton. That'll be fun. Cool. Uh, Becky Clinton does great covers. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think Max Beamus is doing doing great stuff on Moon Knight, and now I feel silly for being so critical of how silly it was getting uh, because uh, it was it was this, good silly. It was great silly. It was great comic book silliness. Well, comic should be silly. Comic podcast should be silly too. So I don't feel bad at all. Um, Jessica Jones issue number eighteen. It's Bendis's farewell to the character that he created during his one hundred years at Marvel Comics. <laughs> Um, and as you know, he Known is coming to DC. Terror. Yep. Um, and so he is saying farewell coming to all, all of his you, beloved characters. Um, and this is the final issue of Jessica Jones before a new creative team takes over. Do we know who they are yet? We just know that she's returning. Jessica Jones will return in fall 2018. I hope it's a woman. That's, I think that's crazy enough. Just crazy enough to work. A woman writing a woman. I think we're ready for that. In 2018, we, we may be ready. Um, uh, so uh, this is 
he kind of in the back matter he just says that like you know there are so many ways that he could have had this final issue with you know this character that he loves so much pan out but he decided that he just wanted to give Jessica Jones one good day and mm. uh, he actually apparently this character basically it's like it, it's, it's her solving this mystery which uh, is, is the, this uh, strange girlfriend of this uh, like Z-list uh, villain called the Armadillo who apparently has showed up in many books during Bendis' long run at Marvel Comics so mm-hmm. this is also his farewell to the character the Armadillo <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, basically, like Jessica Jones is just given the task of figuring out what the fuck's wrong with the armadillo. And uh, it was pretty sweet. It was pretty sweet in a very annoyingly Bendis way. <laughs> like yes. there is, there is, like the the, the fourth and fifth page of this comic mm, are yeah. the same I panel. And I was like, ugh. The same panel six times, except each time the panel is repeated, it's slightly more zoomed in on one of the characters, and then there's about ten word balloons surrounding her head with just insane amounts of, of, of dialogue. And um, I just, like, I, I, if I was an artist working at DC, I would be like, yes, please, I would love some time off. Put me on a Bendis book so he can just tell me to repeat a panel six times. Yeah, Totally. I um, yeah. It seems like a nice goodbye to the character. Kind of, somewhat. I, I would have liked, like, you know, we got, uh, even though he, he doesn't have as much history with the character that um, Bendis does with Jessica Jones, but we got David F. Walker's Farewell to Luke Cage, uh, in which he reads a mm. bedtime story to his daughter. And that was way nicer than this. I would have yeah. loved to. Like, I, I get that, like, it's good to see her you know doing her job being a being a detective for, sorry pi but, but like that's like that's all we ever see we never see the other side of it i know i, I want to i've never seen evidence of her being a good mother in fact it's always like you know suggested that she isn't but mm. like even if we see her being a terrible mother but trying to be a good one that would have mm. been a nicer farewell like, i'm not saying that the most important thing about jessica jones is that she is a mother but we just never see that side of her and totally. when we do, it's like she's just in the background telling Luke Cage to come back to bed or something like that. Like, mm. yeah, it would be good for someone to actually explore Jessica Jones. As like, a, her... like a, on a day-to-day mothering level. Yes, definitely. As a mother. As, as a mother. Like as a mother. More mum comics, that. please. Definitely, please. Um, so, yeah, bye-bye Bendis, bye-bye Jessica Jones. Um, I definitely reiterate uh, Siobhan's statement that I hope a girl gets to write Jessica Jones next. Chelsea Kane. That'd be good. Bring her back. That would be good. That would be great. She already did like a little story in a Civil War 2 spin-off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. I want Kelly Thompson to write young characters. I think she is great at nailing young characters' voices. She did do a pretty good Jessica Jones, though, when she crossed over into Hawkeye. That's true. But yes, she is good with young people. Um... Uh, so now another um, Bendis week, um, another Bendis uh, comic was uh, um, issue number 598 of The Invincible Iron Man. Um, and the, uh, the kind of tagline for this issue is, um, where is Tony, Tony Stark? No, no, sorry. The Return of Tony Stark. That's like the tagline for the next issue. But I feel like that just sums up the entirety of what this run has been. Like, it's weirdly sabotaging of his own plot 
this whole thing has been about Tony Stark's return. And we're like 10 issues into this run. And all we've seen Tony Stark do so far is be bald and crawl across the floor of a laboratory. And then, which would be fine, like, you know, okay, cool, do a, do a return of Tony Stark comic. But he's then, sh- like, sh- like, shoved the... He, you know, he used to have a, a comic for Doom as Iron Man and a comic for Riri Williams as Iron Heart. Mm-hmm. But now both of their plots have been shoved together in this book, which is about Tony Stark eventually returning. And instead, mm-hmm. you just have these like really like slow, meandering scenes with Doom and, and Riri just waiting for more information about when the fuck Tony Stark is going to return. It just feels really self-sabotaging to me. Um, and, yeah, it uh, also sounds really boring. It's really boring. It is really boring. It has uh, excellent art by um, uh, uh, Stefano Caselli and Alex Maleev and Mate Gracia. Um, but um, story-wise, it's just a, just a really baffling choice for probably his most read book mm. to say goodbye to. Whatever. Weird. Um, so that is uh, Invincible Iron Man. Uh, one last Marvel comic that I read that Siobhan didn't. Um, actually, who could say? There's probably 10 more of them coming up. Um, but uh, Avengers No Surrender continued this week in uh, issue 686 of the Avengers. Uh, we got oh, yeah, part House 12. Hulk. Uh, Hulk is really, really angry, but also able to talk. So he's like smart oh. Hulk who can converse with Wonder Man. Um, I think you would really like this because it's really, oh, really silly. And um, like, you know, having Wonder Man as a main character um, and while Hercules and Thor try and stop him. Um, it, this is just like a, it's it's just a big silly comic, and um, mm-hmm. the rumor is that um, this is all written by Jim Zub and Mark Wade and Al Ewing. Um, apparently, Al Ewing has written the bulk of this um, Hulk character, like this this take on the Hulk, and it's like th- this is like kind of setting up his Hulk book, which is just going to be a straight up horror book featuring the yeah. Hulk as an unstoppable monster, which is really fun, and he does a yeah. great job of doing that here. Cool. Um, also, well, I'm, I'm down. You know how I've spoken in the past about being blocked, uh, the Serious Issues Twitter account being blocked by Al Ewing? Yes. Um, we thought it was because we made fun of his DJ name, DJ Christ. Actually, mm-hmm. I learned that many people in the comics uh, world have been blocked by Al Ewing because he used a weird block bot. And it just oh. like randomly, like it, it, it assumes that you align with somebody and just blocks you. So maybe oh. because of the people we follow, it assumes we're like a Facebook troll or something like that, or a Twitter troll, sorry, and it's just blocked us. Um, oh, so now we know which side of the Civil War II argument um, Al Ewing was on. He, he was on the use he the inhuman to predict the powers, to predict the crimes mm. before they happen. Yeah. I can't agree with you on that. I'm sorry, Al Ewing. <laughs> Unblock us, Al Ewing, please. <laughs> uh, Black Panther 171. Siobhan, did you read it? I did, I did, I did read it. ta Coates, Leonard Kirk and Laura Martin for an action-packed fight between Black Panther and Ulysses Claw and uh, their I miss the politics. Parties. Yeah, but I mean, it does show that Coates can write a great action comic as well. Yeah, totally. And it looks like we're going to get a... Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely would prefer the comics... Sorry, the politics side to the um, kind of supernatural folklore side that we're getting through this. Mm. Do you like that stuff? Um, yeah, I do. You hate... You, <laughs> you hate folklore. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't mind that stuff. I, I sort of find it like... I think it... I think... 
reading it the way that we do is probably not showing it off to best advantage. I think that it will be worth reading again in trade. Sure. Let's do that one day. Yeah. 40 years from now, we'll meet up and, and re-talk and talk about this series once again. Uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, issue number 29, came out this week, written by uh, Brandon Montclair with Natasha Bustos and uh, Tamara Bonvian. Uh, before we review this issue, I thought we should point out that um, Brandon Montclair um, was, has recently announced that he is doing a graphic novel series with Erica Henderson, who has recently left uh, her work as artist uh, on the Squirrel Girl comic, Unbeatable Squirrel mm-hmm. Girl. And uh, that is very exciting news to me. Yep, same. I'm into it. Good team. Siobhan, it's only nine o'clock. <laughs> You're acting like Hi. it's like 3 a.m. I'm so tired. This is my bedtime. <laughs> uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Um, this uh, series has been without Devil Dinosaur for uh, quite a few issues now. Um, and instead, we have um, Lunella, the smartest girl in the Marvel Universe, um, uniting with um, The Thing and The Human Torch. Um, and uh, they're trying to restart Fantastic Four, um, and they need a fourth hero to join them. And uh, we knew it was coming, and the final page of this issue, spoilers, but whatever, you knew it was coming, is Devil Dinosaur returning through a portal, but wearing a Fantastic Four uniform, which Lunella was smart enough to make in dinosaur size. It's great. That's um, all. That was that was <laughs> that was great because I think like the this issue itself was like man if I was a kid this would go completely over my head. Um, there's like a super scroll who has like harnessed the power of a dark dimension and brought mm-hmm. a, a, a crazy. It's very Kirby basically. True. Um, um, but uh, it, this feels like very decidedly not all ages friendly. Besides the message behind it, so. Um, I think it was. It, it's good to see Devil Dinosaur return to, to dumb down the story for idiots like me and children. <laughs> I got a walnut brain. Uh, but a really good issue. Walnuts. Yeah, um, I like it. Walnuts, walnuts probably my like, third least favorite nut. Brazil nuts, yeah. easily my least favorite. That's the worst easily. nut. Easily. They're the worst nut. Fuck, I a, agree. fuck a Brazil nut. Uh, Lockjaw, Lockjaw number two, written by... Uh, Daniel Kibblesmith with pencils mm-hmm. by Carlos Villa, inks by Roberto Poggi, and colors by Chris O'Halloran. This is a uh, team-up book between the Inhumans teleporting dog Lockjaw and uh, D-list uh, ex-villain come superhero D-Man, um, who is in a like a you know having a midlife crisis. Uh, he's you know come out of a of a relationship and he's let himself go, um, and uh, Lockjaw teleports him to the Savage Land. Um, where he is surrounded by a very sexy, um, what's his name again? Guy from the Savage Land, is it Kazar? Kazar? Kazar. Yeah, someone, um, Daniel, who listens to the podcast, told us how to pronounce it, but I already forgot. Sorry, Daniel. Your, your work, your hard work is wasted on idiots like us with walnut really brains. <laughs> Siobhan's got um, a Brazil nut think... brain. <laughs> oh, that's so, that's mean. <laughs> it's the worst Way thing I've ever said to you. Um... He's not that sexy in the interiors. The Chris Anchor no, but the cover. cover. Oh, boy. <laughs> He's got like a fucking 14 pack. <laughs> I find this book weird. I don't understand it. And I don't know if I like it. I read it. What? 
it wasn't what I was expecting from the book, which is I just like, you know, a lot of like big fat dog teleporting around and licking things. Yeah, that's all um, I want. And spider yeah. hands about to show up. Yeah, I don't need that. That's for sure. I don't need but I guess hand. maybe he's like going to like team up with Lockjaw and like a bunch of other animals, which that could be fun. Licking yeah. man's you. Oh, Lockjaw and the pet Avengers maybe? Yeah. That could be great. But um Could be. Yeah, but it I isn't like this, yet. the I like the redemption story of D-Man. I just don't know if having it in a Lockjaw comic was a great move. Yeah, don't fucking sell me a Lockjaw comic and then it turns out to be a D-Man comic. That's not what I want. I'm still enjoying it. I just noticed that on the front it says with special guest Abzar. No, wait, I mean Kazar. That's pretty great. Mm, pretty funny. Is it? Is it great? <laughs> um, did you read any other Marvel comics this week? All right, Deadpool. Oh, you read the Deadpool? Despicable, Fuck. The Despicable How did I Deadpool. miss Deadpool? I don't know. What number is that one? What now? What number is it? number 297. Thank you so much. Um, oh, shit. And this, is, this is like, was this him against the world? <laughs> him against the boat. <laughs> A boat? Wow. Yeah. Um, so this is written by Jerry Duggan with um, pencils by Mike Hawthorne, inks by Terry Pallet, and colors by Geordie Belair. And on this, um, there's, like, a crime boat run by Tombstone with all of, like, New York villains um, on it doing gambling. And Deadpool shows up and is like, I've got a crazy bomb and I'm going to take all the money. But then he was blah, 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 blah. It's pretty good. Stilt that doesn't man seem like it follows the story at all. No, it does. He needs money for reasons. Ah, cool. Oh, you know what? It's actually pretty good. Okay, would you like okay. to know the reason that he get, needs the money? Yes, please. He needs $20 million because he um, is putting a hit out on himself. Oh, that's right. Cool. So now all of the villains in the Marvel Universe have, like, on a sweet supervillain app, they get the notification that they can kill Deadpool and they can get money for it. Cool. Taskmaster awesome. Bullseye. Does it all go down on this boat, or is that what's going to happen next? No, the boat was just the way to get the money. Great. The boat is now crime boat. Sounds fun. R.I.P. Uh, The last, the last Marvel book I read was a book that I would said I would stop reading, but the Javier Rodriguez cover was too good to resist, and uh, the Wilfredo Torres interiors were also too good to resist. Uh, This is Legion issue number three, um, Mm. written by Peter Milligan. um, It was a good cover. It's an incredible cover, uh, featuring uh, David Haller, aka Legion, um, hiring a celebrity psychologist to fix his head once and for all. Um, and so you have him, you know, waiting impatiently in a hospital while she lies in a coma and fights his inner demons. It's like passable as a as a as a comic. <laughs> Mm. But um, the art is great And uh, I, for that reason I'm just going to see where it goes Because I, I skim the boring bits And uh, enjoy the art And that's an nice. okay to read comics When a comic book shop gives them to you sometimes Absolutely I did a very similar thing with X-Men Blue Issue oh, yep. 24 Written by Colin Bunn With um, art by Jorge Molina Colors by Matt mm-hmm. Miller and J. David Ramos And this is like the weirdest X-Men team ever It's like barely even a team anymore so it's they're led by Magneto and it's that alternate universe young sexy Wolverine Jimmy mm-hmm. plus mm-hmm. Bloodstorm 
Jimmy Hudson and Bloodstorm. And then, oh, it's quite complicated, but it's all sort of, um, I'm really struggling to explain what happened in this because there's a lot of threats. Mutations happen um, and uh, mutation, the species of of mutants, they're threatened. Mother vine. Yes. And and there's complicated relationship triangles. Yes. Um, And And then there's this panel happens in the end that has a bunch of men in clothes and then women in underpants. Yay. It's Emma Frost and Miss Sinister. Good. Miss Sinister. Yes. Like Mr. Sinister, but in a corset and a miniskirt. But for ladies. But for ladies. Finally, a Sinister for me. What number of X-Men Blue is that? 24. 24. Thank you so much. I did Uh, no good job of explaining what happened in it, but I don't really understand. Are you enjoying it still? Kind of. Cool. We had like inspired Um, myself way. Those are our Marvel reviews for the week. And now we have... Uh, I've got three image books. Have you got three image books? I do. Great. Um, Saga, Chapter 50, written by Brian K. Vaughan with art by Fiona Staples. They did it. They made it to Chapter 50. And how do they begin celebrating their 50th issue? With a big four-page female ejaculation scene. Yeah. Congratulations, guys. Um, I want to give a shout out to Marco's core strength for being able to support his wife um, in that position while submerged in water. This is very impressive. Um, And uh, he was in the army. Pretty hilarious and goofy uh, opening scene. Yeah, they just love it. They just love, like, immediately they get you with a, like, hilarious yeah, they, sex they, scene. they love to, yeah. Open with a sex um, scene, end with a potential death. That's the saga, like, formula. Yep, totally. And, um, and having the word ejaculate face being used as a term of endearment. Um, but, um, yeah, for, for it, the, 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 as far as explosive moments in... Uh, in a 50th issue goes that was kind of it <laughs> mm-hmm. um, for the rest of it it is kind of setting setting things up for future enormous problems um, as we yes. see um, uh, our main characters kind of tossing up options of, 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 of I'm trying to talk about it without spoiling too much but uh, mm. yeah like basically like you know do our main characters take an out from their current lives and, and, and live safely after revealing their story to the world or do they continue doing what they've been doing these last 50 chapters? Um, and then we uh, learn more about the, uh, the killers in their midst um, mm-hmm. and including one character that's been there since the beginning having just... He's, he's, his story is just the, the most profound bummer of Saga. <laughs> Will. Nothing will. good nothing good has happened to the Will. No, he is having a tough time. Um the back it matter continues of this to issue, be such a good comic. It's 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 so solid. Even when like, you know, it is just set up for future things, there's beautiful moments between characters that haven't mm-hmm. had beautiful moments before or, you know, further beautiful moments. Um and then, you know, truly disturbing things headed our way. headed our hero to the hero's way. Um, and mm-hmm. then the back matter is the um, the winners of the Saga cosplay competition, and it's just just the, as good as back matter gets. 
like diehard totally. saga fans dressing up as super obscure characters from a comic book. It's just so fucking great. So fun. Um, such a good, such a good universe that they've created. I love all of it. everyone that does, dresses up as like the robot characters. Those are my favorite. They look so. There's amazing. something so great as seeing like someone so well dressed with a computer head. So good. I love it. Um, but my favorite image book this week was a book that. Look, lackluster isn't isn't quite the word, but um, I had spent the last few issues since its return um, kind of wondering if I still liked it as much as I used to. Um, mm-hmm. And the book is Black Magic, written by Greg Rucker with art by Nicholas Scott. Um, we've got issue number 11 this week, and I think this was my favorite of the entire run so far. What a um, great issue. It was a brilliant issue where the stakes felt really high and I thought we were about to lose one if not more main characters Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. during this issue Um, and even though it felt like a really really like climactic action comic it was quite a quiet talky comic Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where where the threats were enormous and we learnt the true power of the main character so fucking cool this is a a, a book about a, a, a witch who is also um, a police officer, mm-hmm. um, if you have not ever heard of it before. Um, and uh, this was just probably my favorite, my favorite issue of the week, I think. Um, so yeah, uh, I think so. Uh, well, I think okay, you're well, right. I, yeah, I'm forcing Siobhan to pick a favorite issue of each week so we can take photos of ourselves and put them on Twitter. Um, Good. So p- more, people, more people that like certain comics uh, share share the image of us holding up the comics they like. I don't know. It's a, it's a crazy It'll idea. Maybe it'll work. At serious underscore underscore issues. Um, you should also follow the King's Comics Instagram page too because Siobhan oh, has yeah. uh, made ev- all the King stuff. Every week she makes the King stuff pose um, as like as a different comic book cover. And mm-hmm. uh, it's always amusing and, and good. It is always. Always. It is always amusing to force them to do it. Um, so yeah, Black Magic number 11. Um, that was probably my favorite comic of the week. Nicholas week. so good. She's so great. She's so fucking good on art, and uh, and Rucker really at a at a point now in the story where we know who the main characters are, and now we're learning more and more about them, which is always and they work the best so part well of the run. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what was the last image book you read this week? The Beef. I caught up. On oh, the you beef. oh you picked it up. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I annoyingly, I did not think this. I didn't think that this issue was anywhere near as good as the first one. It made me very anxious about what I eat, but I really like um, the aesthetics of him as a superhero. So this is a, a book uh, written by Richard Starkings and Tyler Shaneline with art by Shaky Kane, who I've previously described as a cross between Michael Olred and um, Gilbert... Um, uh, Hernandez. What's his last name? Hernandez. Um, and uh, this... Basically, the beef is about a, um, a guy who works uh, in an um, abattoir, kills cows for the, um, the local burger chain, which is called The Beef. Um, and he eats hamburgers every single day, um, and the hormones in the hamburgers have altered his physicality, so he becomes like this big, gross, inside-out, muscly man when he's angry. Um, and, uh, and then he so pukes, like part... and he stops. Yeah. It's great. So it's like part weird action comic, but also this is like a big commentary on um, how shit it is being um, a, a Mexican immigrant in... in uh, 21st century America. And Absolutely, but what, also how shit it is being a farmer and how shit like genetically modified foods are and 
how shit their farming industry is. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed the first issue because I thought it balanced that all, whereas I thought it was a bit more heavy-handed on uh, on that latter part of it in this issue. But mm. I still in- enjoy this, and I'm definitely going to see this one out to the end. Because I think it yeah, is a, it's a fun... In spite of being a heavy read, it, it, there's something quite fun and silly about it. Yeah, While also absolutely. having a pretty strong social conscience. Um, so that's The Beef. Um, there's only two issues out so far. It's a very unique and cool image book. You should pick it up if you are in the market for one of those. Sean, we're almost at the end. We've got four more. I've got four books here. How many have you got? One. One. Fantastic. Let's do your number one first. All right. Rugrats, issue six. Did you read it? Uh, I read some of it. It's written by Box Brown with art by Alaria Catalani and colors by Eleonora Bruni. Um, look, I think it's a really good Rugrats comic, but I don't think I need to read many really good Rugrats comics in my life. And so the yeah. five issues I've read so far, that'll do. <laughs> I think I probably have, like, more nostalgia for the series than you, so I'm still quite enjoying it. But, um, yeah, it's not, like, essential reading goodness. And they've turned Grandpa into, like, a really hectic conspiracy theorist. But that's Which quite is, funny. It's funny, but he's, he's like, the foil to... Or the, or the, the foil-hatted foil to, like, uh-huh. every single every single story that they've had now, for like, the last... Yeah. It's just, yeah, he, he has some crackpot theory and the, and the babies get... Run, run like it's all about aliens in this one. I, mm-hmm. I, I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is fine. It's cute though. Yeah, it's it cute. Is cute. And uh, it was a new artist on this on this issue, or is it? Thought she did one? a really good remember. job. Yeah, cute good job. babies. Um, there is a Derek Charm variant cover that I um, really enjoyed seeing. Lovely, but I don't own. Um, I read another Boom comic this week. Um, Abbott issue number three. To pick up. Uh, this is uh, the excellent uh, kind of uh, mystery um, book set in uh, 70s Detroit, written by Saladin Ahmed, with art by Sammy Cavella and colors by Jason Wordy. Um, it's very, very different to Saladin Ahmed's Black Bolt book, as you can imagine. Not only mm. are there no uh, big, crazy alien characters, but it's, it's, it's a grounded book, save for a supernatural element. So we have a... Um, uh, a reporter, um, a black um, reporter, a woman as well. Um, those are the three things that she is, uh, mm-hmm. and um, she is also being uh, like kind of hunted by this supernatural force, and uh, has a links to has links to all the crimes that we've seen in the book thus far. Um, and we learn more and more about it as each issue continues. Um, and she also, you know, also has a lot of uh, mirroring politics and what it's like to be a, a black female reporter in 70s Detroit. Um, spoiler alert, it fucking sucks. Um, Seems terrible. And, uh, it gets really bad for her at the end of this issue. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty unique and cool series. Abbott. Yeah, I'm sad. I, I missed that. Pick it up. I yeah, need, I, I, need to, I need to pick up Deadpool and Motherlands. So you've got you to pick up Abbott. Okay. Um, I stuck with reading the... Um, Anthony Bourdain-led anthology series Hungry Ghosts, which comes out yeah. through Karen Berger's Burger Books um, through Dark Horse. Um, he co-writes this book with Joel Rose, and it has art in this book. Um, we have two stories, um, and they're, they're like kind of like food-based horror stories. Um, the art in the first one, which is called Deep, is uh, by Sebastian Cabrol, and it's about um, like essentially like kind of like toxic masculinity in the kitchen and um, all the different hierarchy of chefs being horrible to the chefs below them. 
and um, all of the um, like one chef in particular is quite aggressive and awful to like a um, you know like a um, uh, what's it called when you are doing a when you're like a first year apprentice apprentice um, yep and like he likes to shove his finger down the butt cracks of his apprentices um, but yeah then, then then there's a monster element to it which is like this like kind of like sudden page reveal uh, it's kind of dumb Sound. and silly Sound and the weird. second um, story is called Boil in the Belly and the art on this short story is by Paul Pope and oh, uh, it what? was a god it was a goddamn joy to see Paul Pope doing a freaky horror story about mm. um, a, a boy who gets a boil on his stomach and the boil demands to be fed. And so his mother has to like cook meals for this boil on her son's stomach and feed it. Like, like she's like cutting up steak and vegetables and feeding it to the hole in her son's stomach. God, it's that's really, so cool. It's really cool. It involves a, a doctor shoving his gloved hand inside the son's butt and pulling out an enormous monster. And as you can imagine, seeing Paul Pope draw that is just... just like, that's, that's one of the reasons I read comics. So Wow. Um, that's something. Uh, is the jury out on Paul Pope? Is he a bad dude or is he just a... I don't know, I don't know man. He's a good artist. Look, he's a good I artist. he might be a bad dude. Maybe you can look at him having to draw a... a a monster being pulled out of a butthole as his punishment for being a bad dude, maybe. Mm. Maybe. Or maybe that's maybe. Uh, maybe that's a celebration he doesn't deserve. Um, final book that I read this week is my ongoing uh, desire to force myself to read Kiss comics uh, as an Why? adult. <laughs> You're so weird, man. They keep making them and I keep reading them. Um, this is issue two of Kiss Army of Darkness which is the mashup of Army of Darkness with the rock band Kiss, written by Chad Bowers, Chris Sims, art by Rory Coleman. Um, and like, uh, I quite liked the first issue, which is why I stuck around for the second. But the second delves into the kind of like high dark fantasy vibe of the Army of Darkness movies instead of the um, boomstick theatrics that I liked about those movies. Um, mm. And it's like, like Kiss literally leading an, an army. I don't know. It's whatever. It's, it's not my cup of tea, so I will not be continuing with this. But hey, I read two issues of a Kiss comic. I think that's more issues of a Kiss comic than, I, than I've read since this podcast started. But also, that's, I've read. Is that like, a thing worth celebrating? I've, I've I've read ten issues of Kiss comics. I think since I started this podcast. So happy birthday to me! Thanks, Kiss. <laughs> I was made for loving Kiss comics, <laughs> or for tolerating them. Well, to- tolerating one issue of them. It's, very, it's, a, it's not a very good chorus. Um, so that is the end of this episode of Serious Issues. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully uh, our tired, tired voices didn't make you also tired. But um, yeah. hey, it's Sorry, fucking Jesus' fault. Blame Jesus. Um, and four-day four weekends, they're great for some families, but for people who podcast on Mondays, not the best. Nightmare, guys. We're, we're exhausted. Um, so if you want to find us online, you can find us at facebook.com slash group slash serious issues podcast, which is our, our Facebook group. We can talk about comics and being tired 24 hours a day. <laughs> um, or you can find us on Twitter at serious underscore underscore issues. If you want to support the podcast and, uh, gain access to that bonus episode featuring all kinds of much more awake, vivid comic book conversations. 
uh, you can go mm-hmm. to patreon.com slash serious issues podcast and uh, there are many ways for you to get in touch with us and uh, let us know what you think about comics and the podcast we love hearing from all our listeners so get in touch it's thank you so much for listening and uh, thanks guys happy end of Easter everybody I hope you all get some beautiful rest happy end of Easter Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.